visitors to the ER. Do these guys have any idea what they are talking about? Talking about? Talking about? Get squared away. Spiritual. Get squared away. Emotional. Get squared away. Mental. Get squared away. Physical. The podcast that'll help you get squared away. Another episode, another week. Back for another one. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Um, it's been a good week. I'm finally leveling out, feeling good. Um, I was not at that 183 very long. I'm kind of, like I said the other day, we're kind of balancing back out between 190, you know, right around 190. Um, but man, I can't believe with eating enough food again, the difference in my workouts. I mean, it is, I'm consistently hammering the weights and I feel like I can go back and do more and more and more. Like I have, to, I leave the gym because I have to go time wise, not because I'm like, oh, I'm done. I got to go. Like it feels good. Oh, that's nice. How about you? I had a little rough week. Um, I, we didn't really touch a lot on it last time, but I went through a little bout of what they call onset of chronic fatigue syndrome. So I was, my body was just rolling and rolling and rolling and just redlining and it wouldn't shut down. So I, I was at a point where I couldn't sleep more an hour and a half at a crack. And by the third night, I wasn't sleeping at all. And the, uh, the weirdest thing, and I didn't know that, was that, you know, sore throat was also one of the issues. Swollen glands and sore throat. So, yeah, when I was younger, uh, the, um, when I'd get sick, my um, tonsils would inflame. Okay. Do you still have your tonsils? I still have them. Okay. Because it, it happened like maybe once every few years. So the doctors are like, well, as an adult, you're not going to get hit as hard. Well, this time it, it hit me hard. So I'm recovering from that. Got a full round of uh, workouts in. So body feels good. I'm ready to hit it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Wanna awesome. Get in. So in the last podcast, I said that I totally skipped over on my spiritual, right? Like I, I said that I hung out with my dad, but other than that, I didn't do shit for my spiritual. So that was kind of a trigger. That was a trigger to me like, oh, hey, bro, you're not, uh, you're, you're skipping over some important shit. So I did, um, I did reinvigorate my meditation practice, which is, I have a reminder that's for the last probably five years it goes off my phone twice a day to remind me to meditate even if it's just five minutes just to meditate stop take a second turn everything off and just breathe and uh and I've, i'm making myself get back into that and it's amazing like five ten minutes how it really clears your brain and how it really just relaxes you and and gets everything just going i mean it gets everything running smooth again and i totally forgot about that and getting back into it it feels yeah. good Oh yeah. Yeah. Spiritually, this is the time of the year, you know, as, as Christians, it's the, you know, death and resurrection year. So it's not about bunnies and little eggs. I know you like looking for eggs, but I do like looking for eggs. So Easter is resurrection, right? Yeah. And I mean, I look at it in a different way. I know there's like Palm Sunday, there's, you know, a whole series of events Catholics go through. A lot of stuff that I don't know. I'm, I'm non-denominational, so I don't know. I didn't grow up in church. So, um, I mean, how I look at it is, you know what, this uh, guys and I, we look at it as literally you're giving a toast to the hardest motherfucker ever lived. You know, this guy, if you did a science workup on the crucifixion, I mean, that was probably the most nastiest way to die. 
And then, you know, then on top of that, the dude, you know, raises from the dead three days later. So, so we just raise a toast. That's how we look at this time of year. That's fair. That's fair. It's a, a, a toast to a, to a different time. So spiritually, we're both, we're doing some practice. It's good. It's Easter. Um, this will come out Sunday after Easter. So um, hope everybody had a great holiday. If you don't celebrate Easter and you celebrate something else, well, hope you had a great Sunday. Um, mental, physical, we co- pretty much covered physical. We're both kind of getting back into the swing of things and, and, and feeling good. Um, I will say that I have to find my sweet spot now that I'm eating normal again um, because I get to the end of the day and I kind of keep track. Like I count my, I weigh my food and I put it in a spreadsheet. But like yesterday I got to the end of the day and I really thought I was dead on and I was like 600 calories over. And I'm like, yeah. Wait, how the, how the hell did I do that? But it's just, you know, it adds up quick. Yeah. Um, so I got to get, I got to find that sweet spot again, but um, emotional, physical, mental will go into last cause I'm going to deep dive on the habits and then what else we got? Yeah, it's pretty much emotional and mental. Okay. So, yeah, and I'm doing pretty well on that. I think we talked about that in the last episode. I'm putting a lot of stuff together and weeding out a lot of stuff that I don't need to have in my life. So, um, yeah, working on myself emotionally as well. Yeah, emotionally for me, um, the biggest thing is just... No, you don't get it until you've like eaten in a calorie deficit for 90 days, but... It takes an emotional toll and <laughs> it really like just getting back to, to normal in my head. Like that's my emotional work for the last two weeks is just finding level again and finding happy and finding good. And I mean, finding horny again, like it, it all that shit, just all your brain chemicals are just, are just lacking oh. because your body doesn't have enough energy to do anything hey, we live in wisconsin so you better get your shit together really quick because the weather's starting to get oh, I'm good, good. And- i'm good bro like i'm like yesterday last week i started to feel good today it's 70 degrees out here it's sunny i got a fucking tank top on i'm ready to go i got my bro tank out see now you gotta decide whether you want to be jacked as hell for summertime or just lean and mean well so i will i will find that calorie maintenance calories which should for me body weight muscle weight i should be about 24 to 2700 should about be my maintenance dose so yeah. i'll probably stay between 2700 and 3000 and try to stay fairly lean but um i'm going back onto my i kind of i lift like a like an athlete power lifter like i don't lift like a bodybuilder necessarily but i also definitely i'm not like a crossfitter um, but I try to stay more in that power lifting, but with staying mobile and agile and keeping, you know, being able to do shit with the muscle, not just strong to lift a weight a specific way. Yeah. Um, so my mental, I finished the power of habit and the best way to, to kind of inter- go to introduction introduction into this is, is a, a little joke that he had in the book and it was uh it's an old fish is swimming through the ocean and he swims by these two young fish and he looks at him says hey boys how's the water today and they just kind of shake their head and swim away and the one young fish looks at the other young fish and he goes what the hell is water right and that's the idea of habits is habits take up somewhere between 40 to 80 percent of our time is all habitual it's 
the habit of what you do when you get up in the morning. It's the habit of what you do before you go to work. It's the habit of what you do right when you get to work. It's habit after habit after habit after habit. And if you're not consistently engineering your habits to be positive and to be good or to get rid of bad habits, because we all have bad habits too, then you're not doing the most with your time like we talked about with the bucket and your 168 hours in a week. Um, So the fact that 40 to 60% of your time is habits makes it that much more important to actually hack what is called the habit loop. So the habit loop is the rotation that you go through when when a habit happens. And first is a cue. So let's just say um, your habit of, of brushing your teeth before you go to bed. The cue for that would be the time of day because you're getting ready to go to bed. The routine or the action would be brushing your teeth and the the reward, which is the last step. There is a middle step is a craving, but that comes with after building a habit. Um, and the reward would be the fresh minty breath and the positive feeling of having a clean mouth. Um, one interesting thing is I learned in this book that toothpaste didn't take on like it didn't really pick pick up. It didn't really sell that well until it had that minty, clean taste to it because that built the reward. That had something, a feeling that came along with it. No, Not no. just clean teeth, but that minty kind of... So what was the original uh, toothpaste flavor? No, that nothing? was... So that was... It was nothing. It, there wasn't... Soda? I don't even know if people used anything before um, Pepsodent. There were people that tried to make toothpaste, but it didn't have that menthol mint and whatever else is in it. Oh, and yeah. without having that, it didn't build the habit of using it as a product. Even Febreze. When they, when they first designed Febreze, it was an accident that they came across, but Febreze didn't have a smell to it. It just got rid of smells. And they originally thought this is going to be a billion dollar product because it gets rid of smells. And they they figured out with this lady that works with animals, including skunks, that she could like get rid of the smell in her house. And they were like, oh my God, this is amazing. Well, she actually kind of took them down a wrong turn because it wasn't the getting rid of smells that actually made Febreze an everyday product, a product that every wife, every mom, every dad, every cleaner uses. It was that fresh, clean smell. So once they added a scent to it and kind of turned the, t- turned the marketing towards the final spritz after you clean a room, right? You pick right. up a room, you make the bed, you Febreze it. And that's that final clean smell. Now that right. was the reward to build the habit. So with the reward, they wired up these mice, right? And they put little diodes in their brain so that they can see all the different centers of their brain. They figured out that through the habit loop, you actually create a craving. And the craving ignites the happy parts of your brain before you ever even get the reward. But that is a learned action. So that's why I put that and he puts that um, in between the routine or the action and the reward. Because once you build the craving, then you have the passion. And then once you have the passion for the habit, then that works. So uh, some different cues um, would be like you're hungry, you're bored, a time of day, specific things that cue an action. And actions could be good or bad. I mean, a bad habit would be like, you're bored, so you go on a smoke break to have a cigarette, you know, and with smoking, it's kind of a different because there's all different cues, right? There's stress, there's time of day, there's all these different things. So if you're trying to break the habit of smoking, you have to figure out all the different cues and figure out a way around all those cues. And that's also chemical too, though, right? hundred percent. But it's all chemical, though. 
because the chemical is the reward, whether whether it's nicotine or alcohol or sugar or a workout or sex. It's all the same brain chemicals that are, you know, it's it's 10 or 12 or whatever. How many of your different positive chemicals that happen in your brain, the nicotine or sugar like that shit doesn't go into your brain that that doesn't make it through the blood brain barrier that might but that's not what gives you the happiness the happiness comes from the actual brain chemicals and it doesn't matter what's causing those chemicals so it's the chemical you know addiction right um so if you're trying to build good habits um you have to engineer a cue so let's say you're going to try to get a a walk or a run in when you get home from work so your your cue would be like lacing up your shoes when you get home. You might not be ready to go out right away or you might not want to do it. But if you make yourself lace up those shoes, then that's the cue. And then the action there would be going for the walk or going for the run. And then you have to have a reward for when you're done. Um, now, make sure that as you're engineering a habit, you don't want the reward to be counterproductive to what you're trying to build for the habit. So like you don't want having a cookie to be your reward for working out because that's kind of fucking that's counterproductive. Right. But it could be, you know, it could be sex with the wife or it could be um, a, a positive affirmation. You know, you could have a friend that, you know, that you confide in and you say, hey, I'm going to try to build this habit of of going to work out. Now I need, I need a, I need a reward. So when I tell you, you know, Hey, I just went to the gym. I need you to like, give me some positive feedback. And then that will build up that craving for that positive feedback. But that's for somebody that's trying to build a habit out of it. Correct. Yes. This is somebody that's trying to build a habit because okay. the habit is what the habit, it, the habit is basically the running system is, is kind of one of the ways that I like to look at it in on a computer, right? Like my computer right now is running, it's doing everything. I'm not pushing any buttons, but it's, but it's operating in the background and it's, it's doing all the things that I need it to do. And habits are sort of that kind of silent running system. Um, so it could be like, I mean, for, for a workout, it could be take a pre-workout and then the caffeine in the pre-workout is going to be your, your cue and a lot of your reward. Or it could be a timer on your computer at work. If it's like, if you know that um, you want to take a, a, a walk you know, on your lunch break, then set a timer to go off to remind you. And then when that timer goes off, you have to get up and go for that walk. And then when you get back from that walk, then maybe you're, you get to scroll, you know, social media for 20 minutes or something like that. Like you have to have some sort of reward that causes some sort of happy chemical in your brain and that's how you build that craving. And then once you build the craving, the habit is set. The habit is locked in. I mean, different things that you could be rewards would be like sex or acceptance for people around you or treats or praise or anything like that. Anything that causes that positiveness. You use sex as a reward multiple times in the last five <laughs> I minutes. I like man. sex a lot. <laughs> um, and then breaking bad habits is a little different because what you have to do is habits don't operate in a vacuum. So you have to figure out what that cue is. And sometimes that's really hard. Like he gives a story about, uh, uh, in the book, he, excuse me, at like two o'clock between two and three every day, he would go down to the cafeteria at his work and he'd buy a cookie and he'd eat the cookie. He'd chat with people in the cafeteria and then he'd come back to his, to his desk. Now, 
he wanted to break that habit because he did. He, it wasn't healthy. It was probably a big cookie and he was starting to get a little fluffy in his midsection. So what he needed to do is figure out, was it, was he doing it because he was bored or was he doing it because he was hungry or was he doing it because he needed some energy for the afternoon or was he doing it, you know, because it was just a specific time. Right. So he like started jotting down in a journal, like just he didn't even try to break the habit, just really tried to be aware of what was going on. And he figured out that it was about two to three every single day. It didn't matter what it was. So then once he did that, then he started hacking the actual action. So one day he replaced that cookie with a cup of coffee. And so was it energy, right? I mean, it wasn't. So then he replaced that cookie with an apple. Was he hungry? That didn't really give him the positive feeling that he wanted. So then he replaced it with walking to another colleague's desk and chatting for 20 minutes. And that's what it was. He was just mentally burnt out and needed a break. And he figured out that through trial and error that that's what it was. So then he then he learned to set a timer because it was always between two and three. So at two, a timer would go off on his computer. It would pop up. He'd get up. He'd go walk around and talk to somebody. Wouldn't go to the cafeteria. And he would go around and walk and talk to somebody and then come back. And by doing that, he had circumvented the bad habit cue, which was the time for him, replaced it with something else, and then got the positive reward. So, so when you talk about guys like with bad habits, yep. so like, you know, guys I know and like myself, you know, they try to put this together like that. I always relate to the habits as disciplines. Okay. And I don't know if it is or not, but a lot of the stuff we do, like working out. So trying to, you know, what it feels good to me after I work out. You know, I'm assuming that's a chemical thing. Yep. Uh, but there's always this thought in the back of our minds that says, you know, under pressure, you don't rise to the occasion. You always fall back to the level of your training. So that yep. like. That's your military mindset that you've had since for so long. That's not a normal thought that like the normal everyday Joe has. Um, they're not they're not tra- they're training for a benefit physically or emotionally or mentally. They're not training as far as training for a for a bad time, training to be able to to take care of themselves. In case somebody breaks in your house. Yeah, that no. I mean, okay. I, I bet that. One percent of people that <laughs> that's the that reason one, that they train. Yeah. And and you're you're kind of right. It it is the disciplines, but the discipline is building the habit. And then once the habit is built, it's not really a discipline anymore because it's a habit. So the discipline comes in building the habit or like with a bad habit, like eating junk food. The discipline comes in not having the ability to build the habit. So if you don't have the shit in your house because you didn't buy it at the store, then you can't build that bad habit of eating a no. junky snack every afternoon. Or if you meal prep all your meals, you can't get in the bad habit of going to Hardee's every day. Or is Hardee's even still around? Yeah, they're still Culver's. around. Okay, whatever. Getting junk food or, or fast food for lunch because you've already you've put in the time and put in the work ahead of time that that's where the discipline comes in the discipline isn't in the habit the discipline is in the the pre-prepping or the the changing the cues so that um, makes sense <clears throat> and like with phones a lot of people the, it's a big problem with i mean pick up your phone and you open an app 
right? Like you don't even, you don't even, you don't want to see something on that app. It's a habit. So one thing that a lot of people do is they move their apps around on their phone. So because you habitually open like the same three apps, whether in every, it's usually a social media, right? But for some people, it's Instagram. For some people, it's Facebook. For some people, it's TikTok, whatever it is. True email. Yeah. Your email. Yeah. yeah. So move those apps around. And what it does is it makes your brain think, oh, where is that? Or you can even change your icons. Well, I don't know if you can on on an Apple, but on an Android, like I can change my icons. So like, yeah. So I I can change, I can upload an icon pack and I can change my icon. So I have to think, I have to like look for whatever that Instagram so instead of just picking up my phone and my thumb knowing exactly where it is, I have I don't have them on my I don't have any social medias on my main screen. Um, I have to actually go look for them. And if you move them around, that makes your brain think for a second and it cuts that habit. Now, that habit will build back real quick if you don't move it again. But maybe the discipline comes in deleting those apps. If you're if you're worried about the amount of time that you spend on a specific application on your phone, delete the fucking thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I don't worry too much about it. I know Apple gives me a nice report on how much I'm on, like, every single app. But I tell you, like you're talking about, eating is probably the, the fucking worst for me. It's like for years I've been, uh, I got this, uh, you remember those red zingers? I have no idea what a red zinger is. Is a that what you call zinger. a little dog dick? A red zinger? <laughs> I don't know what the, what the hell <laughs> capillary you pulled out from. <laughs> uh, a red zinger is uh, it's like a Twinkie. Oh. It's made by Hostess. I've never seen it. Seri- I'm dead serious. Yeah, I've never seen a red it's like zinger. A, it's like a fucking red Twinkie, and it's got the lard inside it because it sounds awesome. Yeah, and yep. it's got the preservative-laden red cake on it. Okay. And then they just coat the thing with the dried sugar, oh, yeah. crammed dried coconuts yeah. all over it. Package it up, and boom, it's a zinger. Yeah. Uh, I miss those things. I haven't had them in years, but they just come back to haunt me like yeah, as... Late of yesterday. Yeah. You just thought about it. Well, I thought about it because you were talking about habits. I'm like, okay, so how far do I let something creep in my mind until it becomes, you know, but that's, is it a bad habit if it keeps popping in my mind? But it's know. not a habit if you're not doing it. I know. It's getting pretty damn close, isn't it? Well, I guess. <laughs> That's yeah. That's that's the cra- that's how strong that sh- that craving is. That's yeah. how strong that, ad- so that, that, that addiction. Craving. Well, go buy one. No, don't buy one. That's that. All that's going to do is reaffirm. That's true. All that's going to do is reaffirm that craving. It'd be sick as hell too after. So eat if it. it was a specific, if it was a specific thing that caused it, that's what you would have to do is figure it out. Was it? Is it because you are in a calorie deficit and you got done with the workout and you're that your body is trained to know that that's a really quick loaded calorie treat. And it's trained from 20 years ago that that's a really quick loaded calorie treat. So your best way to do that would be to eat something that's also a loaded calorie, healthy treat oh, at the same Ooh. time when you, when you think of it. And then that would re that would relearn your body. Yeah things to feed you know feed those chemicals to i know the next step would be ice cream and that doesn't fall into the uh, healthy category sorry well you're gonna have to find something that falls into the healthy category (laughs) that that fills that causes that that epinephrine dopamine all of those positive chemicals you're gonna have to do something that does that oh right i know so i know um, it looks so good look at that oh my god he just pulled up a picture of these zingers oh 
It's a raspberry zinger for all you that don't know what oh, that is. Oh, it's a raspberry. That's what the red <clears throat> is. The red is raspberry. Yeah, so I dick that up. The oh, red is raspberry. Good. That makes sense. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, checklists. Like, checklists are rewarding. When you scratch something off a checklist, I know it sounds so stupid, but when you scratch all the things off a checklist, it's rewarding. It it gives you a positive, like, a completion. Like, like those women that were turning around and spraying Febreze in, in their bedrooms after they made the bed and tidied up the room and mm, wiped their hand. I'm done with that. That's, like, checklists are a great way to build good habits. Like... Do this, 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 check them all off. Make sure you check them off when you're doing them because that's part of the positive reinforcement. And Damn. then crumple it up, throw it away. Same thing next day, checklist. And then two weeks in, three weeks into doing the same checklist, all of a sudden you're like, hey, I'm doing this out of, out of thought. I'm not even pulling the checklist out. I'm just doing it because it's a habit. Sticky notes. Like we talked before we even, before the podcast, we talked about supplements. Leaving shit out where you can see it until the habit is built. You buy, for me, so I bought a a red light for red light therapy. If I would have put that light away every morning, like a way away every morning, I never would have built that habit. But that light stayed out. I'm sure my wife hated it, but that light stayed out. It stayed out leaning on one of our chairs in our dining room. So it was right there. Oh, I see it, gonna do it before I go to the gym. And I do it every day. Now it's a way more. Still not a way away, but it's a way more. And that has helped me build the habit. And that was a habit that I wanted to build that didn't necessarily come with a lot of short-term positive happy chemicals. Because something like a red light therapy or a stretching or something like that, like those benefits are months out. Those aren't instant benefits. You know, it's not like drinking a soda and that caffeine kicking in or that sugar kicking in and like, oh, yeah, that feels good. Like, yes, all the science shows that it is positive, but that positive is months away. Very true. So that helped me build that, you know, leave a foam roller out in your living room so that when you sit down on your, you know, your comfy ass couch and you go to turn the TV on that foam roller staring you in your fucking face. Oh, I should roll. I'm going to watch TV and I'm going to roll. Or if you want to start reading books, set books on your coffee table with your remote remote controls or whatever you do. Everybody's got their thing that they yeah. do, you know, after dinner. It's it's that hour, two hours before you go to bed for some people way longer than that. And that's kind of your time, right? Like that's your free time. If, if reading is something that you want to build up, have that book out and have it there. So it stares you in your face when you go to grab the remote to turn the TV on. Because if that book's in a drawer, you're not going to think about it. Yeah, no, it's true. So that that is, that's my deep dive into the habits. It's, you think about it and you're like, oh, habits. Yeah, habits, habits are cool. But habits are legitimately make or break the most successful people in the world. Now, that's only the first part of the book. There's two parts in the book. The second part actually breaks it down to the most successful people and the most successful organizations and what their habits are. And that's a whole nother section. But really, for me, the most important part, and I read it twice, was that first part. Because it's really trying to, because you have to understand the habit loop and understand how it works before you can ever try to do it for yourself. Because every habit's going to be different. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many that we haven't even covered. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of a book, uh... I read uh, last year, uh, Brendan Bouchard, 
I don't think I know that one. High performance habits. Oh, it it probably a lot of the same research and that and that's what you notice when you start to get into these um, nonfiction books is it's a small group of researchers that are doing the yeah. research and then a lot of authors that are kind of taking that research and implementing it into the most positive ways to improve yourself or stuff like that. Yeah. So it's like building daily checklists, like you're saying. Um, I read the book trying to apply that to the business side, you know, because I have a lot of habits, disciplines that I have on, you know, my own personal side, but it, some of them just don't quite translate into the business side at all. So that's when I, I picked this one up and I'm uh, I'm Gallo trained, which Gallo is is the largest family owned winery in the world. Um, but they're they're a giant supplier, giant liquor supplier, and in within the liquor industry and within a lot of business, like they under people know if you if you were originally Gallo trained, like you were trained correctly. And one of the biggest things that they they have the 10 steps to a sales call. And when you're training, you do those 10 steps exactly the same way. Oh, the Gallo training is a sales training. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. The Gallo sales yeah. training. It, it's, it's, it's sales training, but it's, it's training for everything. And it, you do those exact same steps and that builds the habit and you do everything this way. And this is where you keep this stuff in your binder. Not that we have binders anymore, but you know, back in the day, right. and it was all this super regimented training that somebody should else should be able to pick up your sales bag, go into an account and do exactly what you were going to do because you had it planned. You have everything in your bag. It's all in the same exact spot. Everybody should know. And that's all, it's all habits. That's why that stuff works. And that's why some of the most successful people in the liquor business were originally Gallo trained because the Gallo training built their habits. Oh, uh, well, that makes sense. Yeah, I don't have any sales training, so I'm completely fucking retarded when it comes to that. So, but on the business, but on the business side of it, like that's something it, at your point, like you could be implementing for your employees and teaching old dogs new tricks is never easy. But oh, especially yeah. with new guys, when you're bringing them on, yeah, it's going to take a little bit longer to make sure that if you have like specific ways that things are done, that they learn to do those things, those specific ways, it sucks, man. Like oh, if yeah. you bring on a new person, you're going to have to be with them or you or your sales yeah. trainer or whatever, whoever it is, be with them and be walking them through these steps every time until they're, until those habits have been built. But once those habits are built, then you have a, a functional successful salesperson that you can just leave out on their own and move yeah. on to the next person. And two, three years down the road, all of a sudden you have a banger sales force that crushes because they have the habit built to make the calls, which I know you, I know other people that I talk to that are, that are management CEOs, sales managers. And that's the biggest thing. Nobody wants to make any fucking calls. Nobody wants to go out and work. Nobody wants to go out and hustle. Well, habits, if they if every morning they call five people before they even get started with their day, guess what? They're gonna get good at it. They might suck. They might suck for the first six months, but month seven, month eight, month nine, month ten, all of a sudden they're gonna start turning stuff out and they're gonna start they're gonna have it figured out. Yeah. But if they don't ever start, then they don't ever get good at it. Right. Right. Thank God. I mean, I dabble in the sales side, but I'm an operation side. Yeah. And I got a one. Uh, business right now that it's getting operations to understand simple discipline and habits and uh and i use a lot of the lean you know toyota yeah um mythology 
methodology. Yeah. And uh, so right now we're at the stage of 5S, which just teaches people how to set things, um, sort things, um, basically find the, the shortest route of what they're doing every day and just creating simple little disciplines to see if they can even do it. So we're we're at that stage. It's how do you how do you follow along and really make sure that that stuff is being implemented every single day and help them build those habits so that then you can leave them on their own. You do in the beginning. You do a walkthrough. You know, at first it's almost every day. Um, you give them a picture of what it's supposed to look like, and you know, I use a simple film. Uh, it's about making toast. Shows an old dude in the kitchen making toast two different ways, you know, efficient and inefficient. And they get that idea, apply that to their workspace. And after that, we sit down together and we do a weekly audit. And then after everything gets rolling, then they do get a formal weekly audit where they post their scores for every area. So one is just it's getting them to get in a discipline. And a lot of times that takes a month. So um, a lot of companies don't have patience to do it. I mean, but a lot of them don't look at the root problem as a discipline problem. You know, they look for it as a blame issue and they never resolve anything. Yeah, because realistically, if the habits aren't being built, that's on you as a manager, not right. on the person that's supposed to be building the habits. Because realistically, one out of 100 people are going to are going to take the rope and build those habits themselves. Otherwise, that's on you. Yeah. So I, I feel you. And a month is probably even short because most of the research that I've done says 60 days, 60 days to build a habit is, is the kind of generic yeah. average. I mean, without the scorecard, without the weekly audits, I mean, that 30 days would yeah, would be tough. That would stretch it. Yeah. So. so yeah, so that's, that's habits right there. It's habits in, in your, in your lean manufacturing. I mean, that's, it's all habits there Yeah. and intelligence too, with, with how to make a specific job efficient because every job's going to be different on how to make it efficient. Right. Right. I mean, I would think. I don't know exactly how you guys are doing things, but I would think that each you're going to have to get a little creative with how to be the most efficient. But efficiency is almost a mindset, too. Right. I mean, it's it's methodical. Um, We have to get that discipline first. Yeah. And then we do what's called value stream mapping. And that's literally looking at every step of the process along the way and pulling out the non value add items. So you could end up looking at a process that takes 21 steps to do. By the time you're done, it averages out about three or four steps because people will just get comfortable. Yeah. And they'll walk 50 steps to do a job that they can really only could walk three steps, but just because they're comfortable doing it. And that was the way that they've always done yeah, it. Yeah. It's like mindless. Put your head down and a lot of da 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 da. Okay. I walk these 50 steps over here and they don't think about it. That's funny that you bring that up because I was talking to somebody a while ago and they were, they, they go a specific way home. And I'm like, well, that's not the fastest way. Like, yeah, it is. I'm like, no, it's not. Let's try it. I'm like, you ever try it? They're like, no. Why would I try it? I'm like, well, I mean, if you save yourself three minutes every day, both ways, that's six minutes a day. That's, you know, this many minutes a a year. But it's different. Right. And and I'm like, yeah, that's exactly. So I, so I did it. I was like, I'm going to drive exactly the speed limit and I'm not going to accelerate fast. (laughs) And it was like, it was, it was two minutes faster or something like that. But it was legitimately like mind boggling to them. Like, why the fuck would I ever even think about that? <laughs> but I, that's me. I mean, I, I, that's how I've always been. 
is that way. I mean, I've, I time shit to get to accounts. Like if I take this turn and I'll be in my head, like, wait, there's three lights. So I could possibly hit three. Whereas if I go this other way, it's two blocks further, but there's no lights, you know, but that's just how I've always been. Yeah. It's that mindset of, uh, you ever read a who moved my cheese? No. So if you have a bunch of employees, a quick short book, they even, I think made film, film video out of it. It's, uh, it's called Who Moved My Cheese, uh, written by, I believe, Spencer Johnson. It's a doctor that wrote it. It's, it's, it's worth a read. It just talks about, yeah, there's some people that, you know, they're so used to everything being like this, even if it's the most inefficient thing. And the minute you change something, it's all of a sudden, oh, who moved my cheese? And they can't survive. They can't figure it out. There's no um, problem-solving ability anymore because their mind has just become droned into this oh i'm this robot and i have to move like this every day and oh i'm home now this is my schedule and anything out you know but the problem is you live your life like that your your square your your life becomes this box and it's what i always tell people it's what i see you know a couple of my off you know street neighbors now they wake up in the morning they set a chair out in front of their garage and they stare at the street all fucking day long you know, I said, if you don't expand your horizons, your your box is going to shrink down to what is exactly in front of you. And that's why some people, when they get older, they just sit on their porch and they just stare the fuck out into nowhere. And they retire and then they die. Yeah. Where, where I look at these other like seven year olds that are traveling and vibrant and trying new stuff and they're stirring their brain, you know, and their, their mind function is so strong compared to somebody that's just stuck thinking the same thing they become a robot they become this vegetable that gets transplanted into an old folks home staring at the table looking at their food have you ever heard of the nun study on um that sounds familiar okay so nuns from excuse my terminology here but is it a convent convent yeah so nuns from the convent hundreds and hundreds of them um, gave their brains to science to study because they basically all have a specific diet. They all have like they're they live the same life right. from the time that they enter the nunnery or whatever until they die. They live the same life. Um, they're all very different personality wise, but they sleep the same, exercise mostly the same. Like it's all very similar. Um, so they did these Alzheimer's studies. So they cut into their brains and. Do you know what causes Alzheimer's? It's like arthrosclerotic plaques that then build up um, calcium deposits on the electrical connection. So everything in your brain is an electrical connection. It's a neuron connecting another neuron connecting another neuron. So when those neurons get plaques built up on them, then the, the electrical connection can't travel through. And that's how you end up forgetting stuff. And when you get too many of those, you get these black holes with all this plaque buildup and you lost that part of your brain so any way to remove it no there's no way to remove once it happened so far i mean science science is amazing eventually maybe they figure out a way to remove it what causes it um they're not sure yet um some people are more susceptible to it some people are less susceptible to it seems like it might have a lot to do with systemic inflammation um but it's all these different things that it's basically your body is always being damaged you know that and then when you sleep your body repairs 
if you have a specific genome, an APOE3 or APOE4, if you have two of the one of them, um, that you get, you get one from your parents, one from each parent, right? So if you have two of the bad ones, you're so much more likely to get Alzheimer's because your body while you're sleeping is not repairing these, um, little cuts and little plaques or whatever. Anyways, so they cut into all these nuns brains. All of them have these plaques, these buildups. Everybody has them. But the nuns that were constantly reading new things and constantly learning new things, all of these memories grow and move with building new neuron connections. So when they're learning new things, all their old memories also learn to travel through these new neuron pathways. And as they learn to travel for these new neuron pathways, they still have the plaques and they still have the dead spots in the brain, but they have no symptoms or very little symptoms up until death of Alzheimer's just because they're always learning new things, always building new neuron connections, always growing their brain. And all the old stuff learns to come through all the new places. Whereas if you're sitting on the front porch, looking at the road all day, every day, you're never building any of those new neuron connections. And because you're never building any of those new neuron connections, when those plaques kill that part of your brain, that little, those little neuron connections. And that's it. That's it. You forget your kids' names. Come a vegetable and yep. they got to commit you. Yeah. And wow. that, that was, <clears throat> that part of that study was, was amazing because they, I think they really thought when they started cutting into those brains that they were going to find a big difference in in what the brains look like. And from what I gather from reading the studies is they really didn't find a lot different in the brain other than it was much more robust and, and all those new connections were built. Whereas in the old ones, they were just dead. Well, yeah, that's scary. That's scary. Well, if you're not growing, you're dying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I could see that. It's just, uh, some of the, the old guys, you know, have gone and visit it's unless they, are reading unless you're there stirring their mind for them and they they go fast and i'm talking physically the, the you know they die yeah so yeah it's amazing um so that's pretty much the deep dive into habits we'll kind of we got about 20 minutes to wrap up with uh current events now are you versed on what's going on in china now i'm guessing you are because of your family but i have no idea other than the fact that there's i I saw a i took a screenshot and i was going to send it to you and i forgot yeah apparently china has hired a fake french news reporter to put out to make international news reports that what's happening is not happening yeah And, and i don't know i have that much information to go by i talked to my mother this morning but i was more kind of in you know the daily stuff so i would probably say let's we could probably shelve that and cover that a little more okay yeah and i just i don't understand i don't i don't even know who is the genocide is it religious or is it a certain area or what what is it what's yeah i don't want to venture to guess it right at this point okay yeah there's a lot yeah, China's uh, also they came to the forefront in the last couple months here with a lot of stuff. Yeah. So stuff that could affect, you know, impact a lot of what we do here. Yeah. And stuff that is just uh, a little scary over there. So what else we got for current events recently? Oh, well, the big talk, you know, is vaccine passports. Vaccine passports. So can they do that? I feel like in our country, there's no fucking way to actually uh, do that. 
I don't know, but the feds are pushing it. Are they pushing it or are they posturing? They're pushing it. They are. Department of Department of Health. So Department of Health is pushing it. As much as I'd like to say, well, it's an admin, you know, orchestrated thing. It's not. Department of Health is pushing the admin. Admin is completely on board with it. Um, and this, I mean, people can read. I mean, you can go on mainstream media and even and they're referring to this. So scary part about it is, is, is it needed? Is it really needed? Because if we play the, uh, the five whys, you know, <clears throat> ask why do we really need this? Um, people are going to say, well, this is the only way people are going to feel comfortable going out in public and opening up restaurants again and hiring people and, and getting back to normal. I mean, is it? Well, so my thing is, is free market capitalism shouldn't we shouldn't it be every business's choice and every concert venue's choice and every airline's choice so that if United wants to see vaccination paperwork before you fly, then maybe I'll fly Delta and maybe Delta will get a ton of business because United makes that decision. And then or maybe United will get a ton of business because they make that decision and then. Delta won't get as much business and that's how a free market works, right? Like, isn't that how we should be handling this? And what if all the airlines all of a sudden require that? And if all the airlines require it, then maybe all the people like me who don't see the cost benefit analysis as a 38 year old male that aren't going to get vaccinated. And, And I, I'm not a scientist and I'm not a doctor And I don't even necessarily think that the vaccine is bad. I don't. I just, as far as a cost benefit analysis, I had COVID. There is no, nothing saying that your immunity is going to last longer from the vaccine than from having it. We have no idea. So for me, there's no benefit. So the cost benefit, it's all cost. Even if the cost is, is a sore arm for a day, that's still all cost. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and I'm coming from a, a side where there's not enough truth. There's not enough answers out there to convince me to go get shot up because I'm putting something in my bloodstream for something that there's specific data that says, you know what, I mean, there's a 98.8% chance, chance I'm going to survive this if I get it. But also, if you look at your age group, it's, it's way less or way more percent chance you're going to survive. That 98.8, that's for everybody. Across the board. Yeah. I mean. No, but, exactly. But so, it's, there's, there's no, it's like you're saying, well, there's, there's no benefit to it. So my, my minor concern is that this is a modified RNA gene therapy. It's not really a vaccine. It's not the way every other vaccine has worked throughout time. It's actually. You're talking about the Moderna. They all, they're all gene therapy. They're all the same. They're all an MRNA. Moderna, Moderna invented, I guess, this way of putting a modifying an RNA. RNA is what tells your DNA what to do. So they put this in there. The RNA modified RNA. That's where Moderna gets its name. Um, the modified RNA goes in and it tells your DNA to actually make a spike protein that is a COVID nineteen protein, and then your immune system builds up its defenses because your DNA is making this spike protein. 
So, so if scientifically that works. Scientifically that works. Two issues. One concern that I have is Moderna has never gotten this through the FDA. Because no, no every time that they've tried, no, nobody, nobody's ever gotten a, a, a modified RNA vaccine through the FDA. Contrary to what the admin was saying. Yes. So, so and what the because, White House was pushing. Yes, because when they do animal studies, when you give them the modified RNA, the their DNA creates the spike protein. They build up the immunity, but then it also causes some sort of cytokine storm. So when they come in contact with that virus later down the road, it's multiple times deadlier than what it was when they before without having the vaccine. So they've never gotten one through. Now, I believe I will not speak. I did not do the research on this from what I heard. They skipped animal studies for this one. Yeah. They, they forego on a lot of testing. Yes. So I've talked to a scientist that said, yes, they, for, they so, forego on a lot of the initial testing they do for all vaccines. So that's just, that's a concern to me. Yeah, I'm not saying it's going to be a problem. Yeah. It's just a red flag that's up. I would like to figure out whether that's going to be an issue long term. Well, let me ask um, this question, though. If, if you are vaccinated under the logic of this vaccine, yep. technically you should be immune, right? No, you still get it. You still get it. You still spread it. Then what's the uh, exact whole point of having a vaccine? I agree 100%. Now, it does. It, it reduces the amount of vi- virus that you would carry drastically. How so do let, they know that? It's with nasal swabs and stuff from people that have been vaccinated. Like, they, they know that for sure. It reduces the amount of virus that you carry. So you get it. You shouldn't get symptoms. Or the symptoms are very minuscule. This is if you're vaccinated. But you still carry it. So you can still spread it, but it's just less likely to be spread. It's not like it's not like tetanus, which I guess I'm completely uneducated on the tetanus shot. But if I get a tetanus shot, I'm not going to get tetanus. It's not like I get tetanus and it just doesn't hurt me as bad. Like I just I don't get tetanus if I get a tetanus shot. If I get a COVID-19 vaccine. Yeah. Yeah. If I get a COVID-19 vaccine, I can still get it. I'm just let's say 80 percent less is carried in my nose. So if I sneeze, there's less of a chance that that's going to go somewhere that's going to get on somebody. They're going to get it and they're going to get it in their mouth and they're going to get it. But it's but, but I still have it. But if they're vaccinated, their chance of fatality under this logic is well, the, the virus is, is a the virus is a dose dependent virus. COVID-19 is a dose dependent virus. So the more virus that is in your system the more damage that it does. So if you were just out and came in contact with it lightly, you could have a much easier case than if you were making out with a stripper who had it. Okay. So let's round this going back to the uh, vaccine passports then. Yes. Then what good is the vaccine passport? To make people feel comfortable. Right. That's all. I mean, I, as far as I'm concerned. So we're going to mandate making people feel comfortable. I think so. If the, I or, see, I just don't think. Or they mandate that to force the hand to get everybody to get this, this vaccine. Yes. Now, the which one isn't guaranteed to help. Well, A isn't guaranteed to help. B, there is there is very little 
um, recourse that anyone has against um, vaccine makers, all vaccines, not just this one. Yeah, Um, that's a red flag right there. That's a red flag. There is a specific court that handles issues and has given out, I think when I researched at $1.9 billion over the history of time to people that have issues with vaccines. Um, but how do you even know that an issue that you have a year from now is from the vaccine that you got, you know, just like all these other, uh, you know, pharmaceuticals they pushed out over the years. I'm very much, I'm very much a naturalist when it comes to medicine. If I have a broken bone, yes, fix it. But I'm not taking things just to take them because I really do believe that my body is thousands of times smarter than the people that are administering a lot of these treatments, prescriptions, stuff like like we just talked about, like we just talked about in the last podcast, statins, statins that reduce your cholesterol, statins that reduce your cholesterol also come with a fucking laundry list of negative issues mental issues, sexual health, all this stuff that comes with taking a statin. Okay. So what are we trying to do? We're trying to take the statin to lower our cholesterol, but why do we want to lower our cholesterol? That's the fucking, that's where we just completely miss the connection. Oh, exactly. We want to lower our cholesterol because we want to live longer. High cholesterol has zero correlation with death time in women. Women should never be on a statin ever. As far as all the science that I've read. The Cholesterol Myth, I think, is the book that you guys, if, if anybody's really interested about this, you have a father, a mother, maybe a doctor's trying to put you on a statin, read The Cholesterol Myth. Take the time because it gets deep into the science because it's it's lifespan, yeah. right? And health span. Yeah. But I mean, people have to understand when you go to the, the, the hospital, when you go get a checkup, when you get a blood test, um, you know, and I have a little bit of med side because I had to. Mm-hmm. Um is when you go in and take a blood test, a lot of the stuff that gets red flagged is only shows up when it's at a point where it's at a break, break fixed level. And you have to remember that a, a hospital, a medical facility, a doctor is there at the break fixed level. Uh, we've pushed that point because people are not taking the discipline of good habits to take care of their health. And, you know, the, the biggest thing that pisses me off about this whole thing is that if you can get people, you can get a whole population to strap masks on for four in less than four months. So why don't these idiots make up for all the big blunders they had between the food pyramid and everything else and get the population, you know what? Eat healthier. Yeah. You know what? Help create some healthy natural foods. Use some of the the, the land. You know, help the farmers spend a billion dollars of that stimulus money on actually making our country healthier. Yeah. Could you imagine? I no. mean, the, the positive impact on the economy for the people. There's 300 million people, there. right? There's 300 million people. Yeah. So if we spent a billion dollars. But it's a positive economic million. impact to yeah. the people. 100%. It's the problem. Yeah. The, right now, the positive impact is to... The pharmaceutical companies, yep. obviously, yep. you know, the government, the lobbyists, unfortunately, but it's, it's making people fat, sick and suffering. Yeah. So 
But you know what? We're wearing a mask, so everybody should be okay, right? Yeah, we're wearing a mask. We're still going to, you know, a large portion of our population is still going to die from heart disease or diabetes, but they get to do that later in life. Right. Instead of right now. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's a problem. I mean, and I think a lot of people, a lot of the podcasts I've listened to, a lot of the, you know, more second stream news media is talking, finally starting to talk about that, starting to talk about actually improving your health. I mean, starting to talk about vitamin D and ivermectin and all all the other, you know, therapies that have have really helped. But. I mean, it's crazy that if somebody writes vaccine in a Facebook or Instagram post in the words, it's all they just write vaccine. Could It could be I got my, you know, measles vaccine today. Instagram tags that with a learn more about COVID-19 vaccine oh. and it links to the CDC. Yeah. Fucking Facebook. I mean, that that's, that's crazy. Like technology is uh, first of all, astonishing. I mean that, that we're to that point, like it automatically does that. Yeah. AI is scary shit. And, and real AI, like real AI, when it's actually an intelligent being, that's way scarier. Yeah. That's for a totally different day. Okay. That gets a little uh, Terminator, uh, I robot style. So a quick, and I, you'll have to forgive me, this isn't going to be 100% accurate, but once AI is smart enough to reprogram itself, it will go through 10,000 years of evolution in the first year or six months so it will evolve it will program itself so fast because it will program itself to program itself better to program itself better to program itself better that it will it will go through a 10,000 year evolution in a year oh that means it goes from us having control of it like a dog on a leash yeah to that leash being broken and it never coming back that's some yeah, scary Terminator shit right there. Because what happens when it can write its own security clearance? Then nobody can get in to reprogram it yeah. or turn it off. It links, it links Big itself. Questions. It links itself. It it within minutes writes a virus that implants itself into every computer hard drive that's connected to a network that spreads out into the entire world. So that when it's deleted on one computer, it just pops up on another and another and another. And you can't ever get rid of it. Yeah. And then it starts and then it starts changing stoplights and turning power plants on and off and rewriting simple code on, excuse me, the computers that are making these vaccines to change that vaccine to maybe actually not be just modified RNA to do this, but also modified RNA to make human beings sterile because it was its programming was written to help the planet and human beings are killing the planet. So then all of a sudden, nobody knows until six months later that this COVID-19 vaccine had been hacked by the artificial intelligence and now doesn't the modified RNA doesn't also just make you immune to COVID, but it also makes you sterile. 
Man, you've been thinking about this AI shit quite a while, huh? I mean, actually, most of that just came off the top of my head. But um, <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm a scholar, I guess. I listen to a lot of people talk about a lot of stuff, and I, and I really try to take ideas, and I let them, I let them kind of ruminate in my head, and, and I that modified RNA COVID that thing just, that was off the top of my head. That was off the cuff. But well, I mean, that's how scary AI is. Yeah. Real AI, not AI like you know. Your computer just an knows, algorithm, yeah. yeah, yeah, not just an algorithm, but actual intelligence when it gets past that that level. Yeah, but we're headed in that direction. Well, I mean, it's it. The thing is, is it's it's like the atomic bomb, right? Like, um, who made who who made the atomic bomb? I want to say Hofstetter. That's not right. Um, anyways, he he didn't want he didn't want to do it, but he knew that if he didn't do it, somebody else was going to figure right. it out. And it would not be for a country as sane as the United States. It would be for a country that would use it. And uh, I think he's quoted at the first atomic bomb. He's quoted with the um, the line from the Bhagavad Gita, um, for I have become death. And it was just, I mean, he knew. He knew that he just created something that would kill hundreds of thousands or millions of people. Yeah. But... But it stopped the war. It stopped the war. And that's the that's the weird thing, right? That's that's, and that's the idea with with AI. Not not that it's going to stop a war, but we're we're on that race. Right. We're on that race for AI because immediate once. Well, we're whoever such gets a it race first. For cybersecurity. Whoever yeah oh There's yeah cybersecurity is way earlier. It, you yes. Know? So, yes. Yeah. Cybersecurity is on the front line. The AI race is is on the back burn, not the back burner, but you know, way way behind that. But because, it's gonna be a product of that. Yeah. Very quickly. So, yeah, it's it's scary. I mean, cybersecurity is. I I don't even understand how big of a deal it is, but I mean, I bet once a month we get things like, don't open this specific email. You know, don't you make sure that you log out and change your password from Microsoft One or whatever. You know, and it's yeah. it constantly being barraged. Yeah, it's a daily. I mean, every sixteen minutes, I believe I got sites that are constantly people are trying to get in, and they just put basically a bot on there, and they just find every way in they can get. So, so do your updates. Is what you're saying? Do your updates and don't throw so much shit out on the internet. So. Oh, you mean like don't upload my dick pics to iTunes? <laughs> is that is iTunes uh, even still a, is iTunes a thing? I don't even know. I just no, pulled that no, out. They, they've uh, split into like Apple Music and all that bullshit. So everything is subscription based now. It's yep. wild. I can't even believe. I remember it's the only way they can make money. Well, I remember two or three years ago when when they were, everybody was talking about it, and I was like, no way, no way. Yeah. Now all of a sudden, everything. I mean, like we we're just talking Microsoft Office. Yeah. You can't just buy Microsoft Office anymore. Yeah, but you have. to. You have to get the subscription base because that's the only way to survive right now. Yeah. Because there's so many updates. Because yeah. remember, we used to have annual updates. Yeah. Then it was monthly, and then it's weekly, and now it's it's just continuous. So might as well just, you know, subscribe and everything out of the cloud. See, I I, I love the Adobe suite, the Adobe programs, um, but that's an expensive subscription. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're recording on right now is Audition. Like, that's a monthly, that's a monthly fee, you know? But I pay it. Yeah. All right. I think that's a wrap. Good? Awesome. Have a good week.